Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Bobrun. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation that is now in its 88th episode, I think it is. And if you're a returning listener again, thank you guys for lending me your ears one more time and listening to my rants and raves about various uh, occurrences and things and events that are going on in our universe, our internal and external world. <clears throat> um, thank you again for the cash apps. The cash app is at dollar sign J U N B E A U. That's the cash app. Uh, appreciate it. My Zell is actually my first name and my last name at Gmail. So if you want to Zell me uh, money, if that's easier for you than cash app, I I've heard from a couple of people that don't use Cash App anymore. They said it can be clumsy. I know some people who swear by it. So my Cash App is dollar sign uh, June Bo, J-U-N-B-E-A-U. My Venmo is also J-U-N-B-E-A-U. But my Zell is my first name and my last name at gmail.com, which is my first name is J-U-N-Y-A. My last name is B-E-A-U-B-R-U-N at gmail.com. So it's juniorbobrun at gmail.com. So if you feel like dropping off a couple of coins via Zelle, you use juniorbobrun at gmail. You want to use a cash app, dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U. Venmo is Junebo. So I think I have that covered as far as how you can donate to the show as far as I'm, this conversation. Uh, like I said before, we also, uh, our number one sponsor, our main sponsor, if not our only sponsor, is uh, ChavezHouse.com, Chavez House Publishing, Chavez with an S, where you can go get your inspirational journals, you can go get uh, decorative notebooks, uh, training uh, fitness logs for men and for women, daily fitness logs. Uh, if it's easy for you to go on Amazon, you can go right to Amazon at Chavez House Publishing. ChavezHouse.com will take you to Amazon. But if you want to see the whole list, because there's almost 100 different items now, products that you can choose from. And Chavez House Publishing and anything authored by Lenore Batista is Chavez House. So please feel free. Buy one, buy two, buy three, buy many more. Uh, enjoy it. Um, give me a second. I have a little lemon water here. Trying to stay alkalized. Alkalined? Aligned with my alkaline? Lemon water, everything else? <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Um, if you guys are first-time listeners, know that I usually preface a lot of the things that I'm saying. It may sound like more of the same to someone who's listened previously, but I like to say this for new listeners that most of the time this show is a stream of consciousness one topic i go on about it for about an hour and i'll bring in different things from my mind i i sometimes will have three or four keywords written down uh just to keep me on track so to make sure that i don't forget anything because the, what i dislike the most is when i stop once i stop that's it i don't have any editing material i don't edit any of these episodes what you get is unrehearsed <clears throat> it's one quote-unquote take because i call it a conversation and conversations you don't get to do over and oftentimes whatever flaws mistakes missteps that occur in a conversation so be it it's part of the conversation if you want to um uh, amend 
the things that you said in one conversation, then in the next conversation, you amend it. You, if, you're, if you're having a conversation with a friend of yours, you don't get to edit something you've already said to them. What you will do is the next conversation you'll say, remember when I said such and such, what I meant to say was blah, 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 or I might have gotten that wrong. That's what we do here. That's why I don't edit, even though I have an editing software that I just downloaded and I and I don't want to edit. I don't want to say, eh, you know, I will rather stop and do it over completely than and I've only done that once or twice. Actually, I've never done that. I've deleted an episode and said, I'm just not talking about that topic. I didn't like how it came out. But I've never done an episode over on the exact same topic. I don't think I've done that. I've said, nope, not doing that. I'm not touching it. Once I realized, once I did it, I said it's not, it, it wasn't coming from a particular place that I liked, so I just didn't do it. I just deleted and never did it. But I haven't done an episode over, and I don't think I will. And I think editing um, for me would tempt me to just say some things and just delete it and then edit. And I don't know if that's, if I can call this a conversation anymore, if I do that, I think it would lack a certain level of sincerity. I would, I would, I would, I would have to cease to call this a conversation, and it would be something totally different. And I want this to remain that. So because of that, I like to just keep it free flowing. Um, but I like to be as accurate as possible as well. But over the last couple of episodes, I've tried to do things in certain segments now. So instead of me speaking about one particular topic uh, for 40 minutes or 50 minutes, what I'm going to do is I've written down a couple of things, just topic titles. Like I'll say, like today I may say Texas, and I know what I'm going to say if I say Texas. I'll say Buffalo, and I know what that's going to mean. And we're not talking about the bills. It's not going to be football. Or I'll mention something like woke, which we're going to talk about woke versus awake or something like that. Then I know what that is. So just different keywords that set off different, you know, synapses in my mind. And all of a sudden my neurons go ping, ping and boom, then we're off to the races. <clears throat> so that's what we're going to do. We're going to break it down in different segments. Why am I doing that? Because I want the episodes to pack as much punch as possible. I could easily say, well, I'm going to drag this out for an hour if you guys have listened to me, you know that I have no problem dragging things out for an hour. I have to stop myself from going over. Several of my episodes have gone on for an hour and 10 minutes straight. No breaks. And I had to look at the little clock on the recorder going, whoa, I've been talking that long. I should stop right here. And sometimes I just abruptly just go, all right, guys, till tomorrow or till later. And I'll, and I'll cease the episode. But I'll have a whole lot more to say. I do that because I'm very self-conscious about people actually having more things to do than listen to moi. But um, in any case, that's why I've, um, <clears throat> I have a tendency to just say, oh, okay, an hour is enough. But maybe it's not enough. It's not enough to have a conversation about the things that are plaguing us today. But I also understand that I am competing for people's attention now more than ever before. With the, with the mediums that are at our disposal, for anyone to listen to this, what I have to say, little old me, and listen to what I have to say in its entirety, is a privilege among privileges, above most privileges, because of your, your social media, you have several accounts, you have your TikTok, you have your Instagram, you have your FB, you have other things, you have... You have different podcasts, you have streaming services, you have Spotify, you have this, you have that, you have your music playing, you're playing a video game. In the background, there's something else is streaming. There's, 
in the first world in the 21st century, we've never had this many things vying for our attention. So breaking into your schedule is a big deal. So when I do say thank you, I'm saying it from that perspective of knowing how many things can distract us. How many times you're on the phone with someone and you know they're texting and streaming while they're talking to you. And they're going, oh, give me one second. I was looking at something. Or they're answering and replying a bunch of other people while talking to you. Rarely do we have anyone's undivided attention. So now I'm just happy to have your divided attention. It's a piece of it. Thanks. Thanks for including me in all that's going on in your world, in, in your world. You know, so with that being said, today we're going to talk about a couple of different things. Um, one of the things that I wanted to speak about was uh, the bizarre occurrences, even before I could even do an episode about Mr. Peyton out in Buffalo, in the Buffalo shooting at the supermarket. All of a sudden now, before I could even get to that, and I wasn't entirely sure if I was even going to speak upon that because I didn't know even how to attack it. There's so much going on there. I don't, do I macro? Do I deal with mental illness? Do I deal with teenage this? Do I deal with that? And I was like, okay, there's so much going on. Youth-wise, teenage suicide was not even a term back in the 50s. Now, you know, it's, it's a thing now over the last three decades. You know, there's the gun control issue. People think that we take the guns off the streets. We're going to take the violence off the streets. Okay. Um, all right. And then there's the other argument that, you know, guns don't kill people. Mental illness and poverty kills people and ostracization and marginalization and, 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 and um, untreated uh, psychological trauma kills people. There's that. There's so much to unpack. And then Texas comes along. Before I can even get to Mr. Buffalo, I got a deal now with Mr. Texas, which is I'm doing this episode on the road. I'm traveling a bit, parts unknown, as the great Anthony Bourdain would would say. But hot off the presses over the last few days has been Texas, where I think at last count about 21 people are, de are, are, are dead or 19 children or something or two teachers. I mean, this is the most it's an 18 year old kid, Salvador Ramos, I think. I mean, what's going on? An 18-year-old kid on his birthday picks up a couple of weapons and decides, no, I'm not going to go to the range with those, you know, because in many parts of this country, of, in, I'm from the United States, if people are listening from other parts and haven't picked up on my accent, I am from the United States of America, specifically New York City. Um, and, you know, in many parts of the country, you know, 18 years old, more than getting your first car, because in many parts of the country, if you're a gun enthusiast, you've probably been driving since about 15, 16, too, right? So driving a car is not a big deal in parts of the country where getting a gun at 18 is a big deal. I'm not from a place where getting a gun is a big deal because guns are considered contraband in, in New York City. <clears throat> Personally, wrongfully so in that regard. Getting your driver's license is the big deal. My 18th birthday till today my license has to be renewed on my birthday. That's my renewal date. Why? Because getting that real driver's license, not the junior license, which you get at 17 and under, or the learner's permit at 16. Uh-uh. That driver's license was a big deal. Till today, 
almost what, a couple of decades after that first birthday, um, that first uh, legal 18th birthday, when I went straight to the DMV, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a big deal. But in other parts of the country, oh, man, I get to get my gun. I get to get my rifle. I get to go shooting here and there and there. I get to do this. Yeah, get to enter into certain adult um, uh, shooting competitions. That's a big deal. So a kid at 18 going to get a couple of pistols on his birthday in certain parts of the country, especially certain parts of the country that I've lived in after leaving, leaving New York City, is not a big deal. It's a rite of passage. So many people outside of these states are like, what's an 18-year-old doing with an AR-styled format pistol? What are you talking about? In many parts of the world, people go hunting. It's recreation. It may not be your f type of recreation, but that to me is not a point of contention. And I see people, as usual, getting whittled down and bottled down in the minutiae of things that are inconsequential to grander, uh, to the grander uh, uh, questions. Not, why is an 18-year-old kid... Um, buying a pistol i've gone to gun ranges where kids as young as five six seven years old were shooting air pistols better than i was okay it's a rite of passage to be 18 years old and get your first just being able to have your own ccw your own concealed carry and just walk into a place and go hey i want such and such i can do that with my driver's license or whatever it's a rite of passage that's all the majority of the population is not looking to go crazy, get mad, and because they have guns in the house, deciding to use them unlawfully. Okay? As a matter of fact, most of the crimes that happen in this country happen with unlawfully purchased weapons. So that's another kind of conversation. So I don't know. Even with that little diatribe that I just had, I have nothing. I don't know what to say about this. It's, 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 um, it's a lot to unpack, especially I, I do a great deal of traveling and I go to places where people feel that they have to shoot to eat. Where I come, my family's from Haiti. And um, if, if I may be candid, I would love to relocate to Haiti today. If Haiti were safe, I would be doing this show from a little three-bedroom or three-four-room quaint little house in rural Haiti right now. Possibly on a mountain overlooking a lake or maybe th a 30-minute drive to the beach. But rural Haiti, quiet. That's where I would be right now. I lied to you not. I would re and when I say relocate, I don't mean spending six months there and six months in the U.S. Uh-uh. That would be where I would be living. And then from there, I would go to Paris or here and Africa and Brazil and Guatemala and this one and Finland and wherever. From there, that would be my headquarters because it's just a different lifestyle. It's everything about it is different. But I can't go there because people think kidnapping me is a way for them to eat because they are in a country that lacks infrastructure to the point where it's more viable to kidnap me. And I'm not a millionaire. I'm not in that conversation. So you're kidnapping me in the hopes that someone is going, that I'm valuable enough to someone to give them money. 
that's what it is for someone like me whose ancestry over three generations is from this place. I consider it home, even though I'm born and raised in New York City. I consider certain parts of Haiti to be home, just as much home, if not more home than my homeland. And I can't do that. But yet in a country, the richest country on earth, with all the infrastructure, with all the structures, with all the uh, 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 financial parachutes, with all that it has, we kill people here for sport. It's amazing to me that we have this dynamic that exists and we're blaming the gun and not the people behind it. It's not the gun. America is inbred with violence. It's inbred and embedded in America's flag. It is what it is. One could argue facetiously that every country is born of violence, June. That's nothing new. That's not profound. We have to look at America's relationship with guns and how it was used to, it was used to attain this land, maintain, sustain, and retain this land it's through the pistol it's what we know bombs bursting in air rockets red glare our national anthem is like an nwa song it's gangster okay it's bombs bursting rockets red gave proof to the night that our flag was still there what gives proof is our proficiency with things that go boom we have to contend with that we have to contend with our violent nature not our violent past our violent nature as a species and as a nationality and as a national identity we gotta we have to have that conversation it's easy for some democrat somewhere to use this as a political opportunity to say oh we're gonna we have to have more gun control in this that and the third that, that that's lowbrow that's that's a lowbrow conversation Oh, we inner city black kids are killing each other three, four hundred homicides in the inner city. But guess where it's happening? That same city right outside of those those clusters of violence. They're not violent outside of that. Why? Because like I have a tendency to say guns don't kill people. Poverty kills people in those neighborhoods because right outside of those neighborhoods, people own guns, too. What's happening? How come how come they're not shooting each other? Uh oh. What's happening outside of the, 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 the clusters of, of, of violent, gun violent crime where other people have guns as well? What's happening? Why is there more function and less dysfunction? Oh, is it more resources, more this, more allocation, more funds, more generational wealth, more blah, 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 blah. Can, do I need to go on and on? That's why when you ask me where do I stand on gun control, I'm like, do not control my guns. You are 18, nonviolent. You, you, you have not been diagnosed with a mental illness as of yet. Don't get in the way of my right to bear arms, please. Th that's where I stand. My thing is gun control is lowbrow. It's like blaming Russians for Trump winning. Not the 50 plus, pr not the fact that Fox News beats CNN every single day for decades in the ratings. And the only time CNN wins is when they have something to browbeat. That means there's a certain segment of the population that believes something in, in, and, and it has nothing to do with any outside actors. But instead, it's easier to blame a boogeyman or to whittle something down to one basic component and think 
get rid of that and we get rid of the issue or we or we or we lessen these outcomes significantly and dramatically. I remember when, oh, Clinton lost the primary. Clinton lost the because the, the Russians, the Russian bots. Trump was a Russian plant. Meanwhile, I was living in Florida and I knew people in New York City that would that loved Donald Trump, loved him since the 80s, worshipped him since the 80s. That man had three, four decades worth of celebrity equity backing him up for four decades in my city alone. Okay, in the most powerful city in the union, by the way, it wasn't he wasn't the he wasn't the most powerful man in Nebraska or New Mexico. This is New York City. He was on the lifestyles of the rich and famous. So when people say, oh, it's the Russians or Putin and him are best buds, I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't know your country. So that's easy. It's easy. Oh, it was the Russians. Yeah, whittle it down to some boogeyman factor. Oh, it's the guns. The guns are in there. Uh, whittle it down to the fact that those same guns are available in other communities. If some kid in the quote-unquote inner city ghetto can buy a gun for 150 to $200 or whatever, a, a, a rifle, an AK, for five, if they're getting money for guns, what can people who have money, how many guns can the people who actually have means, and up, how many guns can they have, and how many people are they shooting? Oh, not that many, are they? Oh, you mean the numbers are down to, 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 to zero in some communities that have means. Oh, so they're not settling their, their parking disputes and soccer game disputes with pistols, with gold-plated um, 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 nine millimeters, huh? No, why not? They have the money. What's going on over there? Huh? So for me, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not going to have that conversation only because there's a deeper and broader conversation. I've said it before in, in previous episodes when you see that, black mother with the picture of her child or of her black son that was killed by a bullet and you know she has his graduation picture from junior high or whatever the case may be or his prom picture it's usually happening where show me that person's socioeconomic status and i'll show you that poverty and certain dysfunctions in their community had more to do with that child's death than that actual bullet. Okay? That's where I stand. That's where I stand on that. We have to talk about what's inbreded, embedded, imbued in our nation nationality, our national identity from our inception, from conception to inception. Where are we now? Where are we now where this is becoming more normal? Where are we now? See, you guys don't know this, but when these things happen, my friends from overseas email me, text me, WhatsApp me, June, are you okay? I've lived in Europe. I have friends in South America. I have friends in Asia. And they speak about us differently than we see. They see us differently than we see ourselves. I have a friend of mine who lives in Cambodia, right? Really cool. She's really cool. She wants to study in the United States. She lives in Cambodia. I know her mom. I met her mom when I was out there, you know, hung out with her whole family. She left me a WhatsApp. She's 27, 26. She wants to study. I don't know what she wants to study. Something in the sciences. She's very, very scientifically inclined. 
she said her mom doesn't want to send her to the U.S. Because it's too dangerous. That's what the mother said. They live in Cambodia. And respectfully, they don't live in the greatest neighborhood in Cambodia. Because the mom is not a woman of means. They get by. And getting by in a third world country means, uh-oh. Okay? I went to their home. I know where they live. It's not the safest place. Let me put it to you this way. Sun down, stay inside. Let me put it to you that way. Stay inside. Okay? That mother doesn't want her child to, not because she's a, oh, yeah, my daughter, it's my only daughter, et cetera, et cetera. No, the, the United States is dangerous. That's the narrative. That's the narrative in many, many places. Now, is that true or not? I don't know. It's a matter of perception, I guess. I don't know. But what I'm saying is having this become part of our normal, where we're losing children in schools because some 18-year-old decides that that's the thing to do. We're old. The, mm, then in Buffalo, some dude, for his whatever reasons, doesn't like blacks, doesn't like himself, doesn't like anything, and guess what? Decides that, yeah, I'm going to kill double-digit people in one turn. Sounds like war numbers. If we heard these numbers in war, because this just happened within a couple of weeks of each other, right? So this is about 30 people gone in a matter of a couple of weeks and two mass shootings by the same... Two people shot 30 people. Okay? Per capita, that's a lot. I, I'm not even going to crunch the numbers on that yet, but that's a lot. That's a lot. So... As far as I'm concerned with that, guys, we have to have a bigger and broader conversation than is what's going to be had because the conversation is going to whittle down to gun control, then mental health, gun control first. The right wing Republicans are going to be against gun control. Uh, Democratic uh, uh, politicians are going to be for gun control. There's going to be for and against. Democrats for, Republicans against. So it's going to be used, these incidents and these people's lives are going to be used as political ping pong balls going back and forth over the ideological net. But no one's going to speak about our country on a whole and how everything that we do, everything that we enforce, our ideology that we enforce it's through the barrel of a gun. Our segregatory laws, our three strikes, our stop and frisks, our police shootings on innocent unarmed people, other shootings upon police and unarmed citizens, citizens killing citizens, gangs, everything that we've in, we enforce in this country, our borders, everything we enforce is through the barrel of a gun. Let me tell you something, guys. I've said this before. The political term is called legitimacy. How legitimate are you? Once a government loses control of its police, if, it, if certain key members of its police and military decide to break, break ranks with the government, that government is no longer considered legitimate. Because it doesn't matter how many barbarians come beating at your gate looking for regime change, if your military and your police can suppress and repress these outbreaks and uprisings, then you are still considered legitimate. 
So what is, a, what is the military and the police's ability? What is it based on? It is based on their proficiency with a firearm. Every time you thank your soldiers for their service, you are thanking them for how proficient they are with the business end of their rifles. America's freedom is at the barrel of a gun. When we watch our football games, you have Air Force flying and the military Navy and flags are getting folded on football fields across America during football season. That's who we are. That's who we are. We can't look at these, op these things that are occurring as separate and apart from America, from the United States. We can't, we can't do, we can't look at uh, Mr. Ramos and Mr. Buffalo, I think his name is Peyton Gedrin or Gendron, I can't remember his name. We can't look at them as aberrations, as anomalies, as abnormalities. To a degree it is to have that many people gone at one stretch in one failed swoop. Two people killed 30 people. It's ridiculous. It's, the numbers are so absurd to me that my mind, as I sit here grasping, trying to grasp, it doesn't make sense. And it's the reason why I've said on many occasions, and I've gotten some flack from this, for this, from many of my friends that are environmentalists. I said, this is the reason why I shrug at the climate change conversation with the, with the digital footprint and carbon digital footprint conversations that's happening, occurring across world economic forums globally where now they want to they want to have what they call the individual carbon footprint tracker so they can know how much i'm eating how much i'm burning how much i'm walking how much i'm driving how much carbon footprint trackers because ultimately it's about control i don't i'm not getting conspiratorial on you i'm not turn i'm not this is not this is about control and societies are about attaining maintaining sustaining retaining control power and as the saying goes, power attracts the worst and corrupts the best. So with that being said, when power, power only sustains and, and maintains its relevance by consuming what? More power, not by giving that power away. So when I hear about carbon, individual carbon digital tracker footprints, it's like, whoa, hey, man, I don't even wear a smartwatch. Relax. I don't even want my watch to know how many steps I'm taking. Huh? I keep my watches analog. I like the small hand, seconds hand, large hand, hour hand, minute hand. I like that. I like all the inner workings and the gears. I don't even wear electronics. I have my phone. That's tracking me enough. Siri's on me. All these apps tracking me, the cookies. And now you want to have my digital car. This is what I'm saying. So my friends, I tell them, I'm not overly concerned with this uh, climate change conversation about how we need to save the birds and the bees and the knee and the, and the birds the bees and the breeze we can't even save these babies we can't save these babies so you want me to help mother nature but i can't even resolve what is occurring with human nature i can't get humans to act more humanely we're <sighs> I, I, the standard thing to do is to send my condolences out to the people out there in Texas and the people out there in Buffalo. I'm sending my condolences out to every single last American. 
Who's because it hits home for every parent, every sibling, for everyone who's ever been a classmate. All of us have gone to elementary school. I'm a, I'm I'm going along that presumption. These this was not a thought in my mind in elementary school. Never thought about mass shootings. You know, and I was born decades after they used to have nuclear war drills in public schools. They used to still have those uh, uh, rules up on our on our on the on the on our not on our blackboard, but on the side of the blackboard because our school was very, very old. But I remember um, hearing and, and so watching television and seeing that people used to have to go under the desk and there, certain schools had nuclear fallout shelters just in case that was supposed to protect them from nuclear blasts. So I can only imagine what that felt like growing up. I guess if you were a boomer or something uh, or, or maybe before the boomers where you actually had the threat of nuclear war and you had to hide under a desk just in case. But this is different. Now you have schools that are having mass shooting drills in case of what? When I was in high school, I wasn't thinking of this. Are you kidding me? I have a nephew and a niece that are still in single digit ages and I think about them. Okay. There was an incident a couple of years ago at my nephew's preschool while I was still living in Florida. My brother texts me and says there may be a shooter by, you know, his son's school. At the time I was, I was working in an office. I wasn't remote working and it wasn't freelancing. I was working in an office. I told my employer, I got to go. I got a family emergency. They said, okay. I went home and I picked up every gun I had. And I drove directly to my brother's school on the phone with my brother. I said, where, where are you? And they had the area cordoned off for about a block and a half in all directions. And I had all of my pistols in the car. I had two on me, two mags each. And I had them at my disposal just in case. And then, I, and that's when I said to myself, I'm going to have to get one of those uh, 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 jackets or military style jackets that I can put my firearm and the magazines in, in, in all the pockets while I'm walking on it. Like sort of like a military jacket coat where I can have all of them because it didn't make sense to just have guns in my car at that point. That happened a couple of years ago because the things that are happening now are, are very, very real and very, very possible that I'm saying to myself, you're not taking my nephew without me taking you out or at least attempting to take you out first. Now, the fact that that's my, my nephew at the time was about three years old. <sighs> it's about three years old. A baby, practically. He didn't know what was going on. And then when it's finally the smoke cleared, it wasn't really. It was just some homeless guy when they thought it was a but it wasn't whatever. But in any case, I saw my nephew. He said, hi, uncle. And laughing and joking. We're talking about Spider-Man. He's a big Spider-Man fan. And we're talking about Spider-Man. And I'm saying to myself, this is where we are. And I looked at my brother and I said, this is where we are now, huh? And he was like, yep. He said, yep, this is where we are. I said, hmm, okay. Duly noted. Duly noted. But the question is, do we have to remain here? 
do we have to remain here and what needs to be done? What I think I'm going to do is do a full episode on how did we get here? What are the factors that I can ascertain? I'm going to open up. I'm going to open up my email. I forgot to mention my email and my my, uh, Instagram. So people, I want your input as to how the United States of America has gotten to the point in 2022 where someone wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to kill 10 to 20 people. I'm going to kill dozens of people today, not in war, in peacetime. There's no rebel factions. Okay, it's not this is not. Oh, this is the North Korea, South Korea. Hmm. Hmm. This is not Shiite Sunni. This is not Utsu Tutsi. This is not what this is. This is not rival factions. This is someone waking up and saying, I'm going to kill random people just because I'm going to extinguish their lives and destroy their families and communities and create a level of fragility never known before. How did we get here? I want everyone's input because I'm going to use what I think I know. I'm going to only employ that. And then what other people think, I want to incorporate it. So I would love everyone to email me. First, check me out on Instagram and send me a message, DM, whose world is this 2021. That's Instagram. Whose world is this 2021. That's whose. W-H-O-S-E. Whose world is this? Okay. My Gmail is whose world is this 2-1 at Gmail. Whose world is this 2-1 at Gmail. I want to discuss this a little further because, uh, yeah, it's a little, uh, <laughs> because we can't stay here. This is uns- unsustainable. And certain political factions thinking that getting some guns off the street and making it stricter for kids to get guns is going to um, uh, 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 lessen or decrease the frequency of said events. Okay, let's say, for instance, that that does occur. Gun control. Yeah, now you have stringent gun control uh, laws in place. And so now you think that because of that, you're going to... um, Uh, be able to take more illegal weapons off of the street and you're going to make it easy because guess what illegality making something stricter doesn't mean that the wrong people can't get it look at drugs look at contraband you can have as much coast guard as you want dea as you want atf as you want fbi as you want NYPD, LAPD, Miami, you can have as much law enforcement enforcing dog sniffing dog. I mean, um, drug sniffing dogs. You can do all of that. And still America is consuming more product contraband than most of the world. How is it getting to them? I said this before. I'll never forget this. I was in the dorm rooms. I was at I, I went to St. John's University. I was in the dorm rooms hanging out with some of my friends. And it was easier to get contraband than it was to get a Coca-Cola from the soda machine that was not on the same floor. It was easier to get cocaine on the floor that we were on than Coca-Cola. That's not, a, that's not disparaging St. John's at all. That's every college campus in the United States of America. And I said that while I was in school, by the way. And I said that to a teacher that was teaching intro to law 
was an evening class. And I said, your drug, your drug laws and your drug war is pure nonsense. I said it just like that. I said it's pure nonsense because he was very pro. Yeah, I don't want to talk about what his politics was. But in any case, his politics and I weren't al- his politics and mine were not aligned. And I told him it's pure nonsense. I said, because I can get cocaine on a college dorm floor faster than I can get a Coca-Cola. I have to travel several steps to the vending machine to get Coca-Cola, but I don't have to travel that far to get cocaine. So that right there in a nutshell shows you. And that cocaine had to travel from a long ways. <laughs> right? They don't have, we, it, it didn't come from a coca plant in someone's room and then they crushed it up with some hydrochloric and blah, blah, blah and made powdered coke. It's not what happened. Had to travel a long ways. That is a multinational product that had to travel through several nations before it got several hands, several actors and factors before it could get to a college kid's dorm room. Right? Okay. Okay. No barcode. So don't tell me. So if you try to outlaw guns or you, you make it more prohibitive, and now with 3D digital imaging and printing of guns, now with the web and uh, your people's ability to make guns on their own, don't think for a second that stringent gun laws in this technological age is really going to put a real dent. People who want them and the bad actors will find a way to get them. And then the rest of you out there, rest of us who are waiting for police, you know the old saying, police are minutes away while danger is seconds away. So you only have seconds to react to a danger. The police are minutes away. Okay? You're going to call 911. Guess what? So you're calling 911 while something's happening. Okay? Police are seconds, minutes away. Your life is seconds away from being destroyed. Okay? So it would be better that if each and every responsible human being was, was proficient at using a firearm than making it more prohibitive. As far as I'm concerned, for, for prudent moral actors, making it more prohibitive for prudent moral actors to get access to things that bad actors are going to always find a way to get. Our drug culture shows it. So, yes, let's, okay, gun control it to death, okay? Raise the age of getting a gun to 21. Severe background checks. You can only get a pistol with one bullet in it, etc. whatever. Yeah, do all of that. You still can't account for the rise in suicides, teenage suicides, teenagers that are now feeling ostracized, that are feeling marginalized. You have to account for the fact that whether there are guns or not, kids are killing themselves at historic rates. Okay, it's an option now more than ever. Terms like teenage suicide weren't even a term. And it's not because we were living in a more puritanical America. Kids just were not committing suicide at these rates. Okay? It wasn't as if people didn't want to shame their community and give themselves a... No. No. It wasn't a suicide. It wasn't occurring at this, this rate. So between drug overdoses, which are at all-time highs, 100,000 plus per year over the last couple of years, that's what we're going through right now. That's what we're going through. Hmm? And teenage suicides and drug overdoses. So what I'm saying is the bullets and the guns, they're not the problem. (laughs) 
We have teenage suicides on the rise. Those are aligned. The Ramos and the Pendrins and the kid in South Carolina church shooting and the kid in California some years ago who shot up some university and he was driving a BMW. What do you do about him? I think he was I think he was well to do. So I so, so, you know, he was a little upset that he was not getting the level of action from the opposite sex that he thought he he deserved. He was entitled to. And he decided to do something about it. Right. So. Uh, it, that's aligned. The mental the kids hurting themselves. Or deciding to hurt someone else is at an all time high. The gun control is not going to stop these overdoses. The gun control is not going to stop these teenaged suicides because they're not using guns by and large to kill themselves. Right. So what I'm saying is we have a deeper issue and they're aligned. They're not running parallel. They're, in, they're interconnected and interwoven. The anguish that these kids think that they're going through. There's a pain going on. There's a trauma going on with America's youth. We're not paying attention. We're just giving them more things to be confused about because America doesn't have a metric. America doesn't have a protocol. America doesn't have a tradition to deal with this stuff. America is still a new idea. Hello? We're, one of the, we're the oldest democracy on earth, but one of the, we're the youngest, one of the youngest countries. So America is still trying to figure itself out. As crazy as that may sound, us being a superpower, et cetera, et cetera. But let's talk about it. What's our tradition? When you go to India, they can go back 10 generations. You go to Africa, you go to certain places. How far back can Americans go? And what are the traditions? What's the actual tradition? How are we raising our kids? We're having all these competing ideologies, et cetera, et cetera. We're confusing the heck out of these babies. And no one wants to say it out loud. I don't care if you're on the left. I don't care if you're on the right. I don't care if you're in the middle, you're neutral, you're centrist, you're, you're apolitical. I don't care. Every single, seems like every couple of years, there's a new study telling us we got to throw out how we used to do things and try this new thing. Oh, that's the old way of doing this. A Harvard study came out and said, this is how you're supposed to rear your children, speak to your babies, talk to adults, talk about sex, talk about politics. Seems like every time we turn around, there's a new thing. There's no one way of, there's no like, hey, listen, this is going to be, this is what it's going to be. This is what it's going to be. That can be a bit confusing. I'm not saying that's the reason why things are on the rise. I'm saying there are a lot of things going on with the babies and we're not having conversations about it. We're not having enough conversations about how we as adults have failed these kids. Remember what we spoke about. I spoke about this in one of the, um, I said, we always like to take credit for the greatness of the, of, of, of the descendants. Like you hear that saying behind every good man, there's a good woman. But how about every bad man? Hmm? Parents like to take credit for when the kids do great. But when they do badly, you blame hip hop, rock and roll, secular religion, uh, 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 no church, no, no prayer in schools. You blame the liberals. You blame the Republicans. You blame peers. Oh, yeah. You know, they're hanging out with that new kid. And it's the new kid's fault. It's the teacher's fault. Everybody else's fault. But you as the primary teacher, you as the primary guidance of that child. Hmm. 
So we're culpable, all of us. The people in that kid's community, parents, the TV, the, 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 the politics, our history, our present, as well as our past. We're responsible for these kids. So it's easy for some political opportunist to blame it on the guns or another political opportunist to say it's not the guns. So stay away from the guns. But no one wants to say, what are we doing? Our, our babies are hurting. They're hurting really, really bad. These kids, these 16, 17, 18 year olds, these kids, it didn't start at 18. They didn't get triggered at 17. This is something that's been brewing in their minds since probably they were prepubescent. Remember what we spoke about, zero to seven. Who you are between zero to seven says a lot about who you are going to be. What's been occurring in these kids' lives when they were in their single digits is most likely going to be the predetermined factor as to who they are when they get into double digits. Okay? So I'm not, I'm not here to have a conversation about the guns. That's not what we do here about, about the, the micro, the minutia, or, or uh, things of that nature. Or, or he's 18, how was he able to purchase? Shut, no, no, no. Like I said, teenage suicide and teenage homicides are on the rise. They're aligned. They're interconnected. They're interwoven. They're not just parallel. They're not running on parallel lines. They're running on the same line. So we have to have that conversation. We're having a teenage suicide conversation on one side, and then we're having a teenage homicide conversation on another side. And it's not, and, and, and that's 100% that's tragic and inaccurate. They're aligned. They're aligned. That, that, the suicide, that rage being turned inward, or that rage being turned outward is on the same Frequency. What are we doing about that? I don't want to get caught up in who's a Democrat, who's a Republican, who's for or against gun control, who's a pro pro Second Amendment, who's not, who thinks the Second Amendment is conditional, who's a Second Amendment absolutist, who's a don't tread on me, don't uh, my guns. Are, I mean, you, no, we're not going there. I said my little piece on that. This is bigger. It's bigger than that. This conversation's bigger than that. This platform that I'm on is bigger than that. That's why I tend to not stay, allow myself to get stuck in the muck and mire of identity politics or, 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 or certain issues that people like to differentiate themselves on. This is about your babies. Your babies didn't come out left wing, right wing, pro this, pro that. It's a child. So when I see an 18 year old, I'm looking at that trauma as an 18 year old thinking that this was a good idea. Took that idea from a thought to word to deed. And I didn't start at 18th on his 18th birthday. He bought all of this stuff and planned to do this after the age of 18. But he could have easily done it sooner. Hmm? He could have went and got it illegally. Could have said, okay, I'm just going to go get it on the street. You know, I know somebody who knows somebody. I can get it that way. And no amount of gun control could change that. Because look at your war on drugs. I, I don't want to give you the numbers as to what we spent on that. I have them somewhere. I don't want to give you the numbers on what we spent on the drug war, but yet we still have drug lords. 
Okay, you have you have men making millions in America off selling this contraband. Okay, millions, millions. Okay, while we spend hundreds of billions yearly on combating that guy from making millions. Really? Okay. In any case, to me, the macro question, the bigger question is. What are we doing to save these babies so on their 18th birthday this is not an option? What are we doing to save them from believing this is an option? For, this, for, for even entertaining any thought remotely similar to the thoughts that they're having right now. Okay? 18. We just came off of the Buffalo Bill guy, the dude, the Peyton Gendron who went to Buffalo, traveled, I think, almost an hour away from his home or something like that to go to a, a black neighborhood to do th- th- what he did. And then now this, a couple of weeks later, it hasn't been two weeks. I, should I look it up? Because like I said, this is this is recent. when did Mr. What's his name do this? Uh, Buffalo shoot. W- when did he do that? This happened. Um. May 14th. Okay. So, yeah. 11 days. I mean, about 10 days. 10 or so days. <clears throat> okay. So, here we are. 2022. Within 10 days of each other, two men have shot it a total of about 30 plus people. Okay? All right. Okay. And how old was that other kid? How old was he? M- Mr. Uh, Gendron or whatever his name was. 18 years old. Okay, Peyton S. Gendron. Gendron. Okay. So, Salvatore Ramos and Peyton Gendron. One on the East Coast, one in Texas, in the South. Okay? One in Buffalo, one in Texas. Both 18 years old. So, what was going on with these kids at 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2? What was going on in these children's lives? Their system failed them. Their parents failed them. Schools, family, community failed them. Remember what we spoke about. Who's in your village? <laughs> Remember I told everyone, everyone who I speak to, um, that I've conversed with on, this, on this, this platform, if you pull the thread of these shows, it's going to have reoccurring themes. When I speak about who's in your village and when people in your village are hurting, what are we doing about it? Do we live in a village or do we just live in neighborhoods where we close our front door and pay no never mind to what's going on next door, above us, below us, next door to us, across the street with a classmate? Is a parent struggling? Is there been a traumatic divorce or separation? Is there, does, that, does that family, does that mother or father or both need some help, some support, some community support, some village support? Or is everyone just internalizing hmm? their, 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 their particular traumas and, and, and whatever they're going through and experiences and saying, you know what, this is our business, it ain't everybody's business, so we're just going to keep it in-house and we're not going to ask for help or get help or maybe even professional help. Okay. Um, 
Um, I don't know how people's medical benefits situation works out. I'm hoping that psychiatric help and social worker help is, is prevalent among in medical benefits. I don't know what I have in my medical benefits. I just, you know, I gotta go. I, I just know I gotta, I gotta check up. I'm all right. You know, stuff like that. Um, but this is important now more than ever. Um, psychiatry. Um, and I have my issues with psychiatry and its level. Oftentimes it's ability to overdiagnose and try to medicate. I have a problem with the, with the medic, the dedication to medication of certain, um, medical practices in the West, but because of the stimuli that exists right now between children being over-sexualized, the images that they're exposed to, the violence that they're exposed to, and we spoke about it earlier, that divided attention, how they're being spread in a million different directions. Attention span has been shortened because they're looking at these little 10, 5, 10, 15 second videos and they're looking for immediate, spontaneous, immediate gratification. They want to be gratified and satisfied within five seconds, 10 seconds. Easy, quick, jump cuts and edits. No one's read. I'm just saying we're not dealing in a lot of long form like you're dealing with me now talking to me. Your segments on television are three minutes long, two and a half minutes on a big subject. You have four people in a box and four people are supposed to get their words out in about two and a half minutes. And they don't even get two and a half minute diatribes. They get 30 second diatribes. Okay, you're next. Okay, you're next. And that's it. Remember I said I was going to do this in segments and now all of a sudden we've already been at this for, you know, close to 50 minutes. This is why, because these things are important. I wanted to do this in segments, but I can't because as soon as I got some things out of my mind, I just didn't feel comfortable just stopping. I looked at the, I'm looking at my timer and I'm saying, oh, oh well, guess, guess that whole segment thing be damned right now. Um, because this is about the, this is about the fabric of a nation our psyche and the rest of the world is not only watching the rest of the world will copy you had a shooting in new zealand dude was talking crazy about muslims or whatever the nonsense you have shootings you, and you have a lot of certain occurrences that happen in the third world where we've been shrugging our shoulders at remember when i spoke about worthy and unworthy victims where some lunatic in a town square decides he wants to go brat brat but yet we go, huh, that's what happens over there. Okay. Over there. Uh-huh. Okay. Not, can't happen over here. Okay. The indifference and the dismissals, you know, remember when Martin Luther King once said, or was it gone? who said injustice uh, anywhere is an, is an injustice, somewhere is an injustice everywhere. I actually hold that to be true. So I pay attention to what's going on in Bangladesh as well as what's happening in Brooklyn. Okay? Mumbai and Manhattan, I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention. Whether it's happening in, happening in Kingston, Jamaica, Jamaica, Queens, I'm paying attention. New Mexico or NYC, I'm paying attention. Why? Because wherever it's happening, it can happen anywhere. Don't think, oh, that's a different culture. They do things different over there, and, and they're different. I don't think so. 
I don't think so. Human nature not acting very humanely. Mm, I don't think that's relegated to any particular population. That's all of us. We're all in this thing. And we're going to have to ask ourselves, we're going to have to broaden, like, I say, like I've said on many occasions, broaden the conversation past whether it's the gun. What is driving two 18-year-olds to these actions? And, and guess what? More along the way, because you can take the gun out of their hand, but you can't take that despair out of their hearts and minds. What are we doing about that? See, that's the harder question. The easy political ping pong is to go on some debate stage or campaign stump and stump about control, control, and the other side saying, no control out of my cold, dead hands. You are not taking my weapon, Second Amendment, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's the easy part. The hard part is you take the gun out of this kid's hands, but what are you going to do about the despair in his mind and the deficit in his heart? What are we doing about that? What are we doing about that? <sighs> yeah. Um, mm. On that note, we'll speak later on. Talk to you soon. Until next time.